Hi, Yazare. Yawezo. Welcome to the very first episode of um, Africa's Untold Stories. Uh, in case you were confused, uh, initially that's um, welcoming our various languages. Yeah. That, that was, um, his was what? Ever. Ever. Yes. Not ever. 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 Yeah. Thank the Germans for that spelling. Yeah. And um, mine is uh, Frafra. So, yes. Those were what you were, what you heard earlier. And yes, um, this is the very first episode of Africa's Untold Stories. Um, it's a bit strange. It's the first time we're doing anything like this. Yeah, so forgive us if we have like um, a very novice touch to everything because that, that's exactly it. You diagnosed it. It's a novice touch to everything. Yeah, so, um, right. I mean, feel free to hold us to high standards, but uh, keep that in the back of your mind. Like, all right, <laughs> first episode, first time, let, let's give them a bit of leeway yeah. to do whatever they want to do. So that's great. All right, then. Um, let's dive into it. Okay, but um, first of all, we want to get some things out of the way. So uh, as I'm sure you know already, if you've listened to the intro, this podcast is generally going to focus on African history and we would try to cover as much as we can uh, a lot of things african history is broad it's massive but crazy <laughs> yeah the, the thing is we we can't cover everything even if we had all the time in the world it's it's impossible yeah so we'd um we try to do as much as we can under as many topics as we can but to be honest no we wouldn't cover every single thing yeah. so that brings us to the first disclaimer um we can't cover everything related to each topic yeah so if you miss anything it's well you could you could point it out later on our socials but then yeah just know that we might miss certain things we will, we will try to highlight certain key um aspects related to each topic perhaps the uh, things that we pick out as very interesting yeah so that that's one thing to keep in mind uh we can't cover every single thing related to every single topic that's for um the history professors who spend their entire life looking into the past yeah and yeah, another thing we would like to point out is African history, for the most part, was not studied. Let me put it that way. Africans themselves didn't study a lot of their own history. So when the foreigners came, let me rephrase, when the white man came, <laughs> he tried to um, give us his version of our history to a certain extent. And, you know so that that means that there are a lot of things that we don't know and there are a lot of things that we are now finding out as a people mm-hmm. and um there are a lot of things that we there are a lot of narratives that we have to reclaim as africans because there are certain things that we think of in one way but then we find out oh that was not entirely the case there was yeah. also this that that and that has that whole idea of reclaiming african history has brought about this whole situation where there are some people who take it a little too far. They go with, um, uh, let me say, information that can't be verified. verified. Yeah, we would try to steer away from that as much as possible. We would do our best to restrict ourselves to information that can be verified. So if someone is confused and they're like, can you point me to more information about this? Yes, we can point you to more information about that. and. It wouldn't be like we're just um pulling things out of places where things should not be pulled out of 
So that's another thing we, you should um, keep in mind. We would, we would do our best to give information that can't be verified. And in the cases where we cannot give you information, where we give information that we cannot truly verify, we would highlight that. We will tell you that, okay, so this is a we theory. Heard, we yeah. Saw. yeah. But then we don't really have um, like proof. Yes. So you can keep in mind as a possibility, but as to whether it's been verified or not, yeah, it's a bit of a gray area. But then we'll stay to that so you know the difference between the verifiable ones and then the ones that are speculative. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Should I give an example of something like that? Yeah, possibly. That would help. Okay. So um, there is um, a Malian king. I've forgotten his name, but um, he is known to have taken a trip to... He wanted to go to get to the other side of the Atlantic. You know the Malian Empire had... Yeah. A, yeah, he wanted to get to the other side of the Atlantic. He was actually the predecessor to the Masa Musa, Masa Musa the one king everyone seems we to know. know yeah, he was Masa Musa's predecessor. And he went on that journey. He was trying to um, find the shore of the Atlantic, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole amount of speculation about him going to uh, get into, what do you call it? Uh, the Americas before the white man got to the Americas. Okay, oh, okay. I shouldn't say the white man because I think uh, Leif Erikson, uh -huh. the Vikings got there first. But so let me say before the British or the Spaniards or Italians, or sorry, not Italians, um, Portuguese mm -hmm. got to the Americas. Um, so that we know that he did undertake such a journey, but what we don't know is whether he arrived. So then the. Uh, there is speculation that he arrived and people have come up with certain theories found claim that he found certain things that prove that he arrived he with his people it. okay but so far it's something that's not been proven yes it, it's not been definitively proven yeah it's like a theory so something like that we tell you like we just told you that yeah so it's possible that he got to the americas before christopher columbus ever even left the shores of europe something like that but we'll tell you that it's still a theory. Mm -hmm. It could be found out to be fact one day, but for now, it's still just a theory. All right. And yeah, so that's that's it. So, you know, there's there's in some areas of history, not just African history, in some areas of history, there's a lack of consensus on certain things. So something like that will tell you. So there's a lack of consensus on that one. Mm -hmm. But this is a generally accepted idea. This is a possibility and stuff like that. Okay. So we'll give you that that um, information. And the final thing is uh, biases. History is full of biases. Um, that happens a lot. And there's a saying that um, what history is written by the victors or something like that. Yeah. And so the thing is, you would hear a lot of history that's been written by someone, not necessarily the the subject of that particular history. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, there would be certain either pleasant or unpleasant things said about, you know, one party or the other, one party or the other. So history is full of biases. So in certain instances, if we are, if say we are giving you an account of something and we feel that this person was likely to be biased, we would highlight it. For example, um, the Songhai King, Sonia Ali Bear. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Islamic scholars didn't like him. Yeah, but his own people described him as brilliant. Yes, his own people absolutely loved him. <laughs> but the Islamic scholars didn't really like him. So when you read the accounts of him, 
you would get a particularly nasty image of the guy. But I mean, part of that might be true, but you can tell when you read certain things, it definitely amplified it in certain <laughs> areas. So yes, there's also that. So yeah, those are the things you should look out for, or we would look out for, sorry, and point out to you. So biases, the fact that we can't cover everything and um, you know, a lack of consensus or things that we can't prove mm-hmm. definitively. So yes. Oh, but then one last one. Which one? The names. 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 Yes. Um, we are both Ghanaians. Yes. <laughs> we are both Ghanaians from West Africa, and we are attempting to tackle the entire Africa, the yes. entire African history. So there are definitely some names that our accents will make sound like something entirely different like a native from there could hear it and be like wait so that's what they were talking about the whole time yeah so um you're going to have to take our pronunciations with a, a very forgiven stance like we might not get the pronunciations right we may have to spell some of them just to pull like take them out of there yeah but then just just know we we may not get all the pronunciations right yeah so do keep that in mind for us we we might not get everything right and if if you if you feel like nah i really have to teach these people how to say it right (laughs) if you feel that strongly about a particular name or something then we actually would let's let's invite that so if we if we say something or we spell something out and our pronunciation is extremely wrong if i even if it's a little bit wrong and you know how to pronounce it right might as well send a voice note to um, any of our social media platforms, so on Instagram or on Twitter. And we're going to mention those at the end of the episode where you could follow for more. Yeah. Oh, you know, what we could actually do is if, if people hear something, they're like, yeah, if you pronounce this wrong and they send it to us, mm-hmm. then in the next episode, we could actually just highlight, read it out. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be a segment of... Yeah. The things we got wrong in the previous in the episode. Previous episode and be, be like, okay, so previously we mentioned this name this way. Please don't do that. This <laughs> other. Yeah, 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 yeah. We could do we could do that. Yeah. At least we'll keep we'll keep the listeners more engaged as well. Yes. Mark us. Okay. Mark us. Let's go. Okay, so uh now that we've got those disclaimers out of the way, let's um dive into the first episode. Yeah. Great Zimbabwe and a lesson in burying history. All right. So that's the title for the first episode. Yes. Each episode is going to take the form of a lesson, i.e. we would start with the core part and then we will link it to a particular lesson that's connected to the continent. Yeah. And um, yeah, if I mention burying history, you don't have to think far. No, not at uh, all. Just go like, yep, the white people did it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That that might that, that okay, not that that might be that would definitely be a recurring theme. Yes. Throughout everything we will cover. At some point you'd be like, Alright, yeah, I've I've heard I've heard I've heard these people accused a lot. But I think the one people you will hear being accused the most will be the British. And we'll, we will get into that. They actually show up in this episode. <laughs> yes. So yeah. Just uh so sit tight. Let's dive right in. So Great Zimbabwe. A lesson in burying history. Well, I'm going to take the stance of the everyday person who, I mean, we know Zimbabwe, the country, but we don't know what great Zimbabwe is. So what, what is that? 
Yes. So, Great Zimbabwe. Well, today if you go to Great Zimbabwe and you ask, sorry, <laughs> if you go to Zimbabwe, <laughs> the country Zimbabwe, and you ask of Great Zimbabwe, you'd be pointed to an archaeological ruin. Okay. A site of an ancient metropolis. Hmm. Great Zimbabwe is the second largest archaeological ruins in Africa. Wow. Second only to the pyramids of Giza. Giza. Yes, it's Those a massive know. site. Yeah, everyone knows the pyramids of Giza, <laughs> but no one knows. Well, no one outside of Zimbabwe knows of Great Zimbabwe, That's which amazing. is a tragedy, unfortunately. That's not a very great thing. But yes, so um, Great Zimbabwe is the name given to an ancient city uh, by the the name Zimbabwe comes from uh, the Shona speaking people, and it means house of stone. That's where Zimbabwe comes from. So when the Africans, black Africans, finally gained independence mm-hmm. and they reclaimed their country, they Mugabe. named their country, yes, Mugabe. They named their country after the ancient city of Zimbabwe. Okay. Which is what we are uncovering right now. Yes. Okay, so you mentioned Shona people. Yeah. I'm guessing they have something to do with Yes, the yes. So the Shona speaking people, they are a group of um what's the word I'm looking for? No an, not an ethnic group per se, an ethno-linguistic group, oh, group yeah. of people. So it's a large group. In the same way in Ghana we have perhaps the Akans. Yeah. They have the Shona speaking people. Oh okay. Yes. I see. So they have they have individual subgroups, but their lineage can essentially all be traced to one point. Okay. So those are them. Uh, they are mainly found in Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. and they. It's believed there is a. <clears throat> there is a widely accepted um, belief that the Shona speaks. Not sorry. Let me point that out. Not necessarily the Shona speakers of today, but um, their precursors. Okay. Um, ethnic groups uh, and ethno-linguistic groups change and adapt, adjust over time. Okay. Yes. So basically, groups they may have evolved from. Yes, groups they may have evolved from could have been responsible for building the city. As to exactly who built it, we can't exactly verify. Um, Great Zimbabwe, unfortunately, um, did not have a writing tradition. So they didn't record such things. Yes, there is there is oral history, a bit of oral history we'll get into. But um, so we don't know who exactly started it. Mm-hmm. But we do know that it was part of a larger stone building culture in the southern central portion of the continent. Okay. Yes. So, yes, the Great Zimbabwe is believed to have been built by people who were related to the ancestors of the modern Shona people. Maybe exactly them, maybe not exactly them, but people groups move in, move out. So that's a bit murky and we don't have written records, so we can't exactly verify it. Interesting. And then you mentioned Zimbabwe means house of stone. Yeah. But then we look at the city, right? And they Mm -hmm. have walls of stone. Yes. Uh, Okay. So we will include some the notes the podcast notes mm-hmm. links to images okay. of great zimbabwe it's it's a massive it's it's a very massive uh, metropolis oh there already are images up on the social oh yeah platforms. oh right i can't believe i forgot that so check out our social media 
uh, it'll be in the notes also, and you can uh, get an overview of the place. It's yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll have the social lovely. media links below in the notes of the podcast as well. Yes, so you can check you can check those out. So mm-hmm. it's it's lovely. And um, what was your question? I've forgotten that you called it the house of stone. Yeah, but then they had walls of stone. Yes, great. So they didn't actually build their houses out of stone. They build their houses out of um, earth. Um, earthen materials and mud bricks just like many other places in um, southern Africa because that was much more convenient than building out of actual stone so they built walls out of stone they built temples out of stone but they did not build their homes their actual homes out of stones they used the stones to um, to what's the word I'm looking for um, not carve out <laughs> like um, create quarters of sorts okay so demarcation demarcation yes boundaries yes yes boundaries right so that was one of the things they used the stones for demarcations boundaries um, building walls uh, building um, temples but not the actual homes okay as to why the uh, modern day Zimbabweans ended up calling the place house of stone Perhaps an actual Zimbabwean can give us the answer <laughs> to that because I'm not entirely sure why they decided to call it House of Stone. Maybe because it was massive and then they saw it looked like it's a House of Stone or something. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure why they decided to call it House of Stone though. But it, it's, it's massive. It has several... Um, it has three main areas. There is the the okay let's start with where the regular people were that's okay. called the valley complex uh-huh. that's it's in between so the metropolis is actually kind of um there's a highland okay on one side mm-hmm. then there's a valley okay. and then there's a highland on the other side Ooh. right so that's three mm-hmm. three main parts the great enclosure is believed to be where the king lived oh nice Yes, and the walls there, that's, that's where most people, when you see an image of Great Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. it's likely that that's the image you've seen. Of course. The massive stone walls. And it's, it's beautiful. And there also, there's a place for um, worshipping inside there as well. Okay. And that's that where the king lived. The king was not just a regular king, he doubled as a priest, is believed. Oh. Yeah, so that's one side the great enclosure mm-hmm. the walls there could go as high as 10 meters tall wow and uh certain portions here of the walls go as high as 10 meters tall and the entire circumference mm-hmm. goes as much as uh, 250 meters long and then there's so that's the great enclosure the great enclosure where then the king lived yes then there's the valley complex mm-hmm. where the regular subject. people live yeah, yeah. makes know. sense you look down on the subject exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know when when you think about it that's actually a funny thing because the other side of mm-hmm. the highland yeah the was, other highland yes that's the hill complex mm-hmm. that's where the royal family lived oh. so the king's wives and children lived there so on one side king and temple other side royal and nobility and then in the middle regular people on the floor amazing <laughs> so <laughs> you can tell that these people really the, the kings really liked you know their status and it's not even just in that sense because they like their status like that mm-hmm. and they also have these um the you know the archaeological digs that went on uh-huh. or that have been going on in Great Zimbabwe they unearthed 
uh, bones okay. from you know the site so that shows like you know what the people used to eat and stuff like that mm-hmm. and they noticed that the the bones that they found at the abode of the king is different from the bones that they find in the abode of the uh, regular people okay so the the it's um the king ate like calf they, they, they ate the the young the young um the young cows and things they didn't uh, eat tender meat basically. yes tender meat basically so the diet of the nobility differed from the diet of the regular people oh god <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the the kings were definitely like all like I, I don't even know the way to put it they, they must have been feeling really good looking down on everyone else Bougie. yeah because it was so the, the city although the city was the center of the kingdom great mm-hmm. Zimbabwe was not the the king's power didn't end at the city okay it extended beyond the city oh that makes sense yes so the king was really powerful wow so you can get that image from all of that but that f- from all you've said it kind of looks like the great Zimbabwean kings just love to show off like like maybe they build those massive walls just to show off yes yes that's that's actually true so the walls of great Zimbabwe are not um well they could have been used for defense but it wouldn't have been the best eventually you know um it wouldn't have been the best for a long-standing defense sort of thing so the walls were built without mortar strictly without mortar granite stones fixed on top of each other so without mortar oh so they could just be pushed over no not really no they can't just be easily pushed over but if you get a really determined person then yeah but so you can't it's not the kind of walls that let's say um if you look at if you look at no not not chinese not the not the walls of china those were also awful walls very useless but um i'm trying to think of a wall in history that served oh um constantinople okay. this ancient city they had these massive walls mm-hmm. and it's hot. so when people are come to attack the city everybody retreats inside this was not those kind of walls oh i see yes and even in this case the kind the walls that they had were not protecting the entire were not covering the entire city so aside the walls that were at the valley complex for the regular people for their all their things and their structures and whatnot the big walls were actually focused on only the royal aspects the king and his people so once again that's the king putting himself apart from everybody else so yeah so the walls the walls were special in that sense no mortar and they were big um i'm sure you would see the images they were really big walls but they were not meant to well let me not speak definitively but let me say they don't look like they were meant to protect from invaders it's more it looks more of um you know humans like human beings like to do things grand yeah. you know if we come from a culture of uh people doing things one way mm-hmm. and you feel you're powerful enough to do it even bigger so okay. why not so far the the the, the kings sound like no, you know, maybe we are giving them a bad rap. Is there something good out of them? Oh, well, I mean, I shouldn't, they shouldn't give the kings any bad rap, but I mean, because I mean, they were kings. Yeah, well, so they yeah. deserved. I, 
don't know if I'll say they deserved it. I, I, I don't, I don't subscribe to people being deserving anything by birth. But they were kings. I mean, they were powerful beings. Okay, so they, they could, so they did it. Exactly, they could, so they did it. Mm. And it wasn't so far. So far, I should point out, no evidence has been um. Uh, identified or no no nothing has been passed down through our tradition of the kings being evil people or okay. awful people no tyranny no tyranny has been recorded of any sorts okay. you know so even if the kings were powerful people and all those things the fact that the, the city uh, i should have mentioned before the city lasted from around the 11th century to the 16th century that's a long time that's, that's really long that's half a millennia at least 500 years and they didn't record any revolts or anything so far nothing has been discovered to to point to that to point to anything like that so far the kings love to show off but then they were good to their citizens so far that's what it looks like all right they love to show up but they were not particularly evil people to their citizens okay okay yes all right so well you mentioned from the 11th century to 1600s yeah 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 so um the city was built in the 11th century um, AD, approximately. The definitive date is not known, so that's why we say 11th century to, you know, broaden the, the yeah, okay, broaden the scope. Um, that was around the time of the Iron Age. So around the time of the Iron Age, these people began building the settlement, and it's believed that the settlement was not built at once to its height. Okay. So it it's um it hits its height. The the, the city hits its peak. Mm-hmm. That when I say its peak, I mean its um wealth and military uh, military mind hits its peak around the the what thirteenth fourteenth centuries. Okay. So somewhere around the fourteenth century, it hits its peak. That was when it became, you know, the the juggernaut that it became. You know. Uh, I yeah. see. So. Oh, sorry, not 13th, 14th, sorry, the 14th, 15th centuries. Okay. That was around when it became the juggernaut that it was. Hold that thought. I think I'm mixing the dates. It, okay, it ended, because you know the whole thing we do? Um, it's 2000. 21st century, then it's, it's 2000. 2000. Yeah, yeah. So 15th century is 1400s. Yeah. Yeah, it hit its peak around the 1400s. Okay, so that's 15th century. All right, so yes, um, Great Zimbabwe hit its peak around the 14th century. Okay. Wait, no, 15th, 15th century. century. <laughs> 15th Great Zimbabwe century. hit its peak around the 15th century. Okay. Yes. Okay. And that then, was at its peak. if it lasted that long, it means they must have been rich. Yes, the, they were rich. They were incredibly rich. So, Great Zimbabwe, as a, as a kingdom, uh-huh. let me start with that. The rulers controlled the flow of trade from the inner part portion of South and Central Africa mm-hmm. through to the coast. Wow. So the way trade worked in those times was if you're passing through my territory, I'm going to get a piece of that. Of course. Exactly. So they used that to get a lot of wealth. They extracted wealth from traders and they didn't just extract wealth from traders. They also traded themselves. Um, there are thousands of mines that were found around the city. Oh, thousands of copper and gold mines. So they had their own stuff, and they were also charging people for passing stuff through their territory, essentially. And people come through the city to also trade oh, nice. and move to move on to other sites. So the trade moved from the inner portion of the southern 
parts of the continent to the coast. Okay. So there were coastal cities like um the the Swahili coast, that's what they call them. So cities like um Kilwa and uh, Sofala mm-hmm. on the eastern portion of Africa. And then those cities from there, the goods that they're trading in go to other portions of the world. So Persia, India, um, China. So that's another that's 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 one one more um myth that's been busted for you. Uh people act as if Africa was some secluded area to the white man came. Yes, know. and then they introduced all of these things and we saw all of no, absolutely not. The European was the last person to know of the existence of Great Zimbabwe. The Persians knew it because there's evidence of trade going as far as Iran through Great Zimbabwe. Wow. There's evidence of trade going as far as um, India. Sorry, not India, um, China. China. Um, Chinese porcelain has been found in Great Zimbabwe. Oh. Yeah, showing that they did, in fact, trade that With far. The Chinese. Yes. So that means the last people to know of Great Zimbabwe. Uh, the Europeans <laughs> yes. who tried to bury it. Yes, the, the Europeans who came and were like, yeah, we just discovered this whole new continent. And no, you were the last people <laughs> to actually meet this whole thing because everyone else knew about it till you came. Hmm. So why did it start to decline? Like why, why did it end in the 1600s? Right. So um, Great Zimbabwe was... A great city, no doubt. Okay. I mean, it's in its name. Um, but also, uh, Athens was a great city. Well, that's true. Rome yeah. was a great city. That is true. Yes. Uh, well, I was going to say London was a great city. I don't know but, if I should still say London is a great city. I think it's still, I mean, at least it's still... It's still, okay, yeah. London is still a great city. There's something like that. All right, let, let me stick to ancient cities. Yes. <laughs> All right, so... Great Zimbabwe was undoubtedly a great city, but um, the thing is, most well, all good things come to an end, all great things come to an end, some sooner than the others. But um, human settlements often have periods where they um, wane in um, significance and relevance. Okay. So Great Zimbabwe's own started around the mid to late 1600s. Okay. When um, trade routes started to shift so if people start to notice you know if i pass this other place it's cheaper it's cheaper mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't have to pay this king this amount of money to get my goods to the other side that's true so it starts to shift a lot plus um, if other settlements come up and then they, they have it's more convenient to pass this area than mm-hmm. to pass great zimbabwe why should I pass through Great Zimbabwe? Yeah, that's a terrible business decision. Exactly. Traders are businessmen. There's absolutely no way they would want to pass through Great Zimbabwe. So it was not instantaneous that all of a sudden there was less trade passing through Great Zimbabwe. It was a gradual thing. It was gradual. Usually. Yes. And um, that's one aspect of it, shifting trade routes. Mm-hmm. The second aspect of it would be um, overgrazing. Oh. So. Yes, Southern Africa is primarily um, farming. Okay. It's farming communities. So, Great Zimbabwe was not different, despite the fact that it was a massive metropolis mm-hmm. with over 18,000 people at its peak. Wow. Or about 18,000 people at its peak. Yeah, I should point that out. That is the size of um, the population size of medieval London. Mm-hmm. So, Great Zimbabwe was about as 
pagan population as medieval London, but it wasn't as nasty <laughs> as medieval London. That much I can, that much I can tell you, it was not as nasty as medieval London. For a fact. Yes, for a fact, because um, we know very well that medieval London had um, you know, feces lying everywhere. Mm. Okay, maybe that's an exaggeration, mm-hmm. but um. Yeah, European cities during the medieval period were not particularly neat places, yeah. but um, Great Zimbabwe was, uh, we know for a fact that they had um, drainage systems. Oh, wow. Yes, they, 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 planned, they planned everything out well, so they, have, they had their own irrigation plan out, and they had their own drainage planned out. So, the place wasn't particularly nasty. This is smart. Yeah, and it makes sense, because I mean, if you think about it, the kings were grand. Yeah. I'm not going to be sitting over there and I'm looking down on my people and I'm seeing all this nasty stuff. Especially because they have that high yes, image, that of high themselves. image of themselves. So they, they probably would not have sat for something like that to happen. That's true. That's true. So it was an actually properly planned out city. Yes. With drainage systems. Yes. Irrigation sites. Yes. A lot of trade going in and out. Yes. That's not something we are told as Africans. No. We are told we're like very, very, you know. Yes. Um, we, we, we were on trees and lived in, you know, ba- sticks. Barely indistinguishable from apes. Yes. And, uh, yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into that later. Let's, let's, let's move on with explaining um, Great Zimbabwe's decline. Okay. So, yes, um, the shifting trade routes mm-hmm. was one thing. And then um, the, the, over, the second one I was mentioning, yes, overgrazing is another theory. And um, so because farming, the more you farm, the less the land becomes viable. That's so true. they have, you know, in farming culture, they leave it for a period. The fallow period. Yes. Which is linked to one of the third theories as to why it's the city eventually collapsed over population. 18,000 people is a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people, a Wait, whole lot of to people. To put this in perspective, how big was Great Zimbabwe? In if you size, want to compare it to something right now. Great Zimbabwe was um, 8 kilometers square in size. If I were to compare that to a modern day, uh, what do you call it, city. area or city, yeah. it's larger than Vatican and Monaco by like... Uh, how much? No, it's it's much bigger than this. It's at least twice or thrice bigger than Vatican. How big is Vatican? I don't quite remember, but it's it's big. It's definitely bigger than it Vatican. It was bigger than the Vatican. Yes, than Monaco, bigger than both of those things. Wow! But you know the thing about uh, medieval times and all of those things. A lot of people in a lot in 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 that area, even if it's big, there's still only so much a city can contain that's true yes so even then eighteen thousand people at some point becomes a lot Mm -hmm. becomes too much to bear and combine that with the fact that your viable farmland is reducing and trade is shifting and trade routes is shifting um that's that's not That's not very great. That's not that's not a very great thing to happen to you. Wait, so why didn't the king do anything about it? The king sort of did for himself. Oh, oh, wait, hold on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Explain so, yourself. <laughs> so um the king the king uh so alright, this is where oral tradition comes in, like I promised earlier. Oral tradition, useful over here. 
So there's um, oral tradition mm -hmm. that speaks of the rise of certain kings. Okay. Uh, they call them the Mwene Motapa. Okay, we maybe didn't get that pronunciation right, but then fine. If I butcher this, you know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> the Mwene Motapa, what was the name of the kings? Um, I, I think um, one of the translations suggests that it means master pillager. Another one suggests that it means um, uh, iron worker, metal worker, something like that. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the rise of those kings, mm -hmm. um, hereditary kings, according to oral tradition, um, peaked with a particular king called um, Mutoto, Mutoto or Mutota. I hope I am not butchering the guy's name. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mutope. So, oh, no, no. It peaked with uh, Mutota, right? And then Mutope was his son. Okay. So around the time of uh, Mutope, the kingdom of Great Zimbabwe was starting to experience these things that we've talked about. The overpopulation, overpopulation. shifts in tree droughts, and soil viability yes. getting lower. Exactly. So as I was experiencing those things, mm -hmm. uh, as I mentioned before, Great Zimbabwe was, although centered on the city, the king didn't just control the city. Yeah, he controlled more than the city. Yes. So um, Mutope just, when everything was starting to gradually get worse, he still wanted to control trade. Okay. <clears throat> oh, so he... Wait, hold on. You're not going to tell me he just moved to the new trade route. So he got up, took his army, and went to the new trade centers. Oh, he took his... God in heaven. So... Just <laughs> when we thought this guy was... Okay, wait, wait, hold on. So we went through the whole trouble of proving the kings were not, you know... Yeah, the kings were kind of nice people, and then this and then guy just and then up and bounces. Abandons his people. That well, is sad. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah he, he 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 shouldn't have done that. But I mean, Great Zimbabwe was still part of his kingdom, even though he moved out. Okay. Get it. So it's not like he just abandoned the people entire. To some extent, he kind of did. But he's a king; he had to take care of himself. So he's like, "All right, um, guys, I'm going to make sure that we still." Have okay. money and buy we i mean me because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's face it, in those times it wasn't like the king gets his wealth and he's like okay come for this yeah come for that. there's no, no there's that, that, capitalism no that that did not happen uh, yeah even even today we don't do that yeah presidents don't do that how much more when kings saw themselves as the voice of their gods and things like that hmm. yeah he doubled as a priest as well yeah he doubled as a priest so ah. trust me he was not going to get up and be sharing money for no good reason bad makes bad makes <laughs> he advises himself yeah so when when um Utope moved to go um control the new trade control the new trade routes mm -hmm. um around that time is when the cities the city essentially had no hope of returning to its former glory of course so when that happened not too long after the territory that was controlled by great Zimbabwe's kings, mm -hmm. um, the southern portion of that kingdom started to break away. There was a man called, um, and I absolutely love this name, Changamire Dombo. Whoa. He up and uh, started uh, conquering portions of the southern part of the kingdom, not the city itself, southern part of the kingdom, okay. to break out. So eventually that would happen. So not long after the city started to slowly fall apart eventually the kingdom would start to fall apart some years after not immediately years after everything is gradual 
everything is gradual. Yes, exactly. But it wasn't, it wasn't quick because Mutope still controlled routes, got his wealth, his kingdom was still flourishing for a long time and stuff like Just not the city. The city was not flourishing. Okay. So I'm guessing people just well, followed their leader and up and left. Not instantaneously, but eventually, when there is no reason to live somewhere, you'd eventually find some other place to live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, there was one thing I forgot to mention about the kings, though. So in the Great Zimbabwe sites, they found these um, soapstone birds, birds made out of soapstone. Okay. If you look on the Great Zimbabwe... Um, you mean the Zimbabwe flag? <laughs> the Zimbabwean flag. If you look on the Zimbabwean flag... In that little triangle <coughs> portion. Yes, in that little triangle portion, you would see um, a bird image. Yeah. That's that's an, The birds are believed to have represented the kings. So oh. each king sort of had his own stone bird. Okay. Yeah, so that's a kind of cool something. So see that you can know what that was. Makes sense. Yeah, it was, it was a cool thing. And how many of these things were found in there? Um, so far, there have been known to, I think I uh, was 15, 15. So we know for a fact that they so had at least 15 kings. Yes, at least they had um, 15 kings in Great Zimbabwe. Okay. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, so 15 kings, at least 15 kings in Great Zimbabwe over 500 years. Was, there's a chance there was more because we don't know when the tradition of that started. Yeah, that's true. Yes. So, um, we should move on to the next part. So that's, that's, that's an overview of Great Zimbabwe, uh, a masterfully planned, um, masterfully built city in the southern portion of the continent that controlled trade and um, military for a very long time. Absolutely beautiful place, which I actually saw in real life. I wouldn't mind actually going to visit the place sometime. Ah. It'd be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. So let's move on to the lesson aspect of things. Yeah, which is a lesson in burying history. Yes, a lesson in burying history. Now, <laughs> this is uh, Great Zimbabwe existed for about 500 years and it was beautiful. But um, the funniest aspect of Great Zimbabwe we know so far actually occurred after the city was, you know, it fell into ruins. So it comes into let's move into that part so there was this the british of course i told you the british would show up yeah yeah <laughs> that you would you would find them everywhere in african history trust me yeah. we'll be talking about something and then we'll be like yeah and then the british yes because yes the british well wherever you go the british they were sitting in india they were tired of their tea and you know they decided to just eh, let's just conquer everywhere we can see and then they did it props to them for that at least yay commonwealth <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yes um the british came to zimbabwe they were like we claim this land for the queen bam <laughs> <laughs> and they 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 started taking over looking at the people Ugh, these savages and then they stumbled upon this massive archaeological ruins and they're like Wait, what? Where are the white people who built this? Oh, so they just concluded it was white people. Yeah. Because, you know, the savages they met could not have, could not have built. Nah, 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 man. They, uh, they saw and were like, what from these white people? Why did they go? Did they vanish? Did the savages kill, kill them? them. What happened? <laughs> what happened to all of these people? 
that built this place. Um, yeah, so uh, Great Zimbabwe's colonial history is not a very pleasant thing. So when the white people came at first and then they saw the place, they were like, okay, yeah, no, you guys didn't build this. You guys absolutely did not build this because that did not fit into their narrative. Of course not. With the whole um, colonialism and imperialism thing going on, uh, slave trade, one of the justifications that they were trying to use was that black people are less than human. Yeah. yeah they're not like us, you, you know? know? You know what I mean? So to then go and then see a massive city would be like, a shot in the foot yeah a massive planned out city which you pointed yeah was probably needed on medieval london yeah so going there and be like nope no way absolutely no way no i refuse to accept it they did not build this place and they stuck to that when they came in and they said that white people did not build it they stuck to that they actually did stick to that so they did what they did first was um they were coming up with all sorts of theories there was this theory about the queen of sheba having something to do with it what yeah some guy called um cecil march claimed that he saw led cedar uh, from lebanon uh-huh. and he connected it to the queen of sheba somehow cedar yes just that just that it wasn't even true there was nothing like that there oh my god okay but he <laughs> so he manufactured it and he was like oh cedar from lebanon the queen of sheba for some reason came all the way from um israel through to ethiopia through to the southern portion of africa to come and build this city and then go back and yeah i, I don't know i i doubt they believed it themselves but they must have been really desperate to embrace that truth because not too far, not too long after that, then um, uh, Cecil Rhodes, I'm sure if you're Zimbabwean, you know him. The name Rhodesia, Zimbabwe's colonial name, came from him. Okay. He, uh, he financed a guy um, called James Theodore Bent to prove that it wasn't built by Africans. Wow. Go to such a length. Yes. So they, they did all sorts of manufacturing. They, they manufactured all sorts of nonsense. And there was um, a man called Richard Hall. Richard Hall, and um, he was meant to, well, quote-unquote, preserve the site and um, remove African occupation from it. Oh. So That's code, from, uh, f- code for, yeah, make sure, make sure nobody thinks black people built this place. Okay, just cleanse it. Yeah, and um, he did partially succeed at doing that. So um, one of the reasons... He's one of the reasons the the information we are getting from Great Zimbabwe is only coming now and in slow pieces. Okay. Because he he ruined a lot of things that would have been useful. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> well. And uh, they even went as far as um, creating official guidebooks with false imageries of Africans bowing down to foreigners who supposedly built it. What? Yeah. And um, as if that's not bad enough, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Um, it's called the Hermetic Theory. It's a very, very, very utter piece of nonsense. <laughs> I wouldn't go into the details about what it is and why it is, but essentially it's some, it's some racist theory about how the different races came to be. And then they conclude by saying there are portions of white people that existed on Africa. 
pockets of white people. Okay. So some people are like, oh, one of those pockets of white people must have built this place. Mm. So this whole nonsense went on for a long time, as long as the British were in charge. <sighs> and then um, Mugabe, back when he was, you know, a very lovable person. <clears throat> May he still rest. Yeah, rest well, in peace. <laughs> he, he up and then um, helped them, lead them to independence, revolution. And then they came in and they were like, let's name our new country after this beautiful city, Zimbabwe. Took the soapstone bird, put it on their flag. Yeah. And then in 1986, was it 86? I believe it's 1986. The, what do you call them? The UNESCO, that the United Nations um, Cultural Heritage people, mm-hmm. they declared it um, a World Heritage Site. Oh. So that was in 1986. And right now, um, despite the British well let me say the British have become less racist than they were previously yeah yeah we will give them props for that so uh, it's generally accepted by well I mean they don't have a choice it's a fact that it was built by black Africans well I love one of the theories we're bringing out that it was built by Arabs like Arabs came, you know, Arabs were trading on the Eastern coast too. Yeah. So some of the theories were like Arabs came, traded on the Eastern coast, decided to explore into Africa, built this massive city and then bounced for some reason. But did they have any hint of Arabian architecture? Absolutely not. So, uh, but you let's, let's just go. Let's yeah. Just, let's, just, let's just go. Racism will make you um, be stupid. Yeah. Believe anything. Painful passes that we are now finding out. Yes. That's where the lesson in bearing history comes from. Because um, it's in two parts. The first part is the Europeans didn't want you to know your history. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, and there's this quote I absolutely love from um, somewhere in Africa. I think it's a south. It originates from somewhere in southern Africa, but I'm not so sure. And um, Chinua uh, Achibe, the, mm-hmm. the the author. author. Yeah. Yes, he has a version. There's a version of it where he says. Um, until the lion tells his own story, the no his okay no his version is talking about until the lion has historians, the tale of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. That's true. We don't tell our stories. We don't we don't bring our perspectives. Yeah. And our leaders most at times don't really care care i was going to say something else but this has to be pg so <laughs> re- our leaders most of the times they don't care yeah they don't care they don't they don't care at all but that's yes that's that's the unfortunate thing our leaders don't entirely care and then the fact that the white man went to extreme lengths to discredit a large portion of our history they needed to keep us down to ingrain in us certain images of ourselves yeah so that we depend on them we depend on them we don't try to break free from them. We don't try to think we are equal to them. Mm-hmm. So they went through lengths to bury our history in that aspect. And Great Zimbabwe is not the first and it's definitely not the last <laughs> the time that they did that to us. It's not even going to be the last one we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, you find that... Um, that's a lot. That's that's a that's reason you don't much, know a lot of yeah, things about your own history. That's because, pretty much why this podcast exists. Yeah. <laughs> because the white man in partnership with uh, several incompetent African leaders have done an excellent job of making sure that you don't know anything outside of the fact that slavery, like that's all you know, yeah. slavery. It's, it's so funny because I've built an image in your head. Growing up, 
if you know anything about African history, it's slavery. slavery. And if you think to before colonialism and slavery, you think, oh, black people were living in um, huts and climbing trees all their life. Yeah. And then the white man came and brought civilization. Education. And then in exchange, they started shipping us off to work on plantations. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of rhyming, <laughs> but then... <it> was... <laughs> but yeah, that's largely what we know. Most of us know the colonial history of our countries. But we barely know much about before the white man arrived. We just assume we were nothing until they arrived and then they educated us, brought us up to a certain level and then kindly left us after, you know, a little bit of fighting. They don't really mention that part much. Like they you know, they gave us independence and then they walked away. Yeah. But this is it's sad. It's really sad. Because you reflect on it. I wonder how many people even know the true history of their countries. Yeah, very few. Because, um, I mean, Great Zimbabwe is massive. Great Zimbabwe is a... Yeah, for something as large as the second archaeological site in Africa to be buried this much. Yes, that's... that's, that's it's, it's mind-blowing if you yeah. think about it. It's mind-blowing. And, you know, and the fact that it's not something that only Africans knew about. Chinese... That Chinese artifacts yes. have been found. Chinese, Persian artifacts. Indians, Persians. Syrians. Syrian artifacts. Like Syria in the Middle East up there has been found in Great Zimbabwe. So that's not that's not <laughs> that that's not that's not a secluded tiny piece of history. That's something that's absolutely massive. Something mm. that we've ignored for a long time. Well, hopefully we are going to uncover way more of these things. These these untold stories from Africa that that well remain untold until until we do it. Not no, we are not going to take first credit for being the first to do it, but then we are going to take credit for being one of the few that are willing to do this, willing to bring people up to speed with what existed, but then was pretty much you know talked down into silence. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yes. So um, <clears throat> right before 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 we do go away though, um, I want to mention a few more, you know, uh, just a couple more interesting facts about uh, Great facts. Zimbabwe. Yes. yes, fun facts. A couple more fun facts about Great Zimbabwe. In case you are wondering how they built the stones without mortar, they shaped them. Perfectly, okay, maybe not perfectly, but <laughs> rectangular shapes, like just right. Just right. That, yeah, let me that, put it just right. That speaks to some engineering. Yes, it, oh, it's, it's, it is, it is. It's masterful engineering. They pick the massive boulders, mm-hmm. they heat them up, then they cool them quickly with water, and then they, so the cracks show on it. Mm-hmm. So they get places to break the boulders into okay. pieces, shape it nicely, and then put it. In the walls and the walls are not thin walls at some parts of the walls can go as much as five meters thick right. wow yes you know so make sure everything fits inside nicely that is crazy so that they can do all that yeah explains why the british do not to accept that we did <laughs> no nah, man we couldn't we couldn't have we couldn't uh, have no we were too busy climbing trees apparently <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh that concludes the first episode Yes, first episode. Great Zimbabwe and a lesson in burying history.
Right. That was absolutely lovely. Yeah. Is that teaser for the next one? What's the next episode? I don't even remember. You know what? They just keep an eye on the social media platforms. We're going to post a teaser. We posted a teaser for this one, actually. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you don't like spoilers, um, sorry, but then they're not exactly spoilers. They're more yeah. like a trailer. Yeah, think of it as a trailer. That's and it. it's, it's useful information. You cannot, you cannot know too much about Africa. Yeah. Or, you know, Africa is massive, man. It's massive. It's massive. We wouldn't be able to do it justice, but we'll try. All right. Yes. So thank you for being with us. And until next week, when we move to another portion of the content, you know, let me just um, give just, just a hint at least to which part of the continent we'll be going next. Okay. We are moving from Southern Africa. We're jumping up and then left. Wait, no, that makes it sound like we're going north portion. Yes. Right? It does sound well. Like. Africa is like you know, like this. So if you're going up and left, uh-huh. it could be either North or Western Africa. Okay, that's true. Yes. So um, we are coming to our part of the continent. Oh, next yeah. week. So yes, uh, you'd absolutely love the next topic. So uh, keep an eye out on everything. Great. See you next week. All right. Right, um, just one uh, thing I should mention. Uh, I mentioned in error that the Great Enclosure was where the king lived. It's the other way around. The Great Enclosure was where the royal family lived and the hill complex was where the king lived. So, yeah. Okay. So, the king had swap. One. Yeah, it's a swap. So, the, um, the, the artifact that I found that linked to the temple uh-huh. and things is found in the Great Enclosure. So, that's where the royal family lived. Okay. Not where the king lived. So, just keep that in mind, that, that swap.